How's everybody doing this morning? <laughs> I brought coffee instead of water up here. Uh, <laughs> and honestly, uh, Brett made me sound way more spiritual than I probably actually am. Uh, I just really like to preach, so I was like, hey, I'll, I'll drive six hours to be there. All right, so... Um, <laughs> uh, no, I, I got to my house in Plainview last night at about, I don't know, 11 o'clock or so, roughly. And so, uh, but it is a joy uh, to be here this morning. So we, we've got a lot to cover uh, this morning. So Matthew chapter 6 is where uh, we're going to be. So we've been in a series called Sacred Mountain. And I don't know about you uh, or not, so maybe you can bear witness to this. This has been incredible. This has been a really, really good time. Uh, I can tell you this, though, it, it makes it easy uh, on, on people like me uh, who, who are preachers because if you preach a sermon that Jesus already preached, <laughs> I mean, I, don't, I honestly have no idea how you go wrong, okay? And so every sermon has to be really good. As long as we, you know, stay faithful to what Jesus is talking about and as long as we stay locked in on what Jesus is actually trying to communicate, man, if we can just land right there, uh, every sermon is going to be amazing. So, uh, so what I'm telling you is that if you walk away this morning from this service and you go, man, that sermon was terrible. You just said Jesus' sermon was terrible. So I just want to... Uh, I just want to point that out, okay? And so, because what Jesus is doing, um, uh, Matthew has a funny way of sandwiching things together uh, in, in the Bible. He kind of groups things together with, uh, with a like statement. And so, in, in uh, Matthew chapter 4, uh, we get him saying, what is Jesus doing? And what Jesus is doing is he's going around and he's proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And then he's performing miracles. He says he's, he's proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and he's going around healing all that are uh, sick and uh, oppressed and things of that sort. It, it, that's a loose paraphrase. But he says that in chapter 4, uh, and then by the time you get to chapter 10, he says it again. Uh, he says the exact same thing. What is Jesus doing? He's going around proclaiming the gospel, and he's healing people. He's doing miracles. Uh, and then the question you have to ask yourself is, why does he say both of those things? Why does he say it again? Why does he repeat? Well, what he's trying to do is go, uh, I've just created a section for you, and it's the Sermon on the Mount. That's what we get, because we get Jesus' teachings about the, the kingdom and in, in 5, 6, and 7, and then in 8 and 9, we get the miracles. We get several different viewpoints of, a, uh, of the miracles of Jesus and what he's doing. So we get both of those things. And, and can I just uh, throw this in here? It's not what we're talking about this morning, but it's important, uh, is that you can't separate those two things with Jesus. You can't. Okay, so you can't go, I love what Jesus does for me and his miracles and his, his provision and things like that, and then not like what he teaches. Those two things go together. Uh, they are inseparably linked, and that's what Matthew is going to paint for us is a picture of you, you can't, you, and, and what you can't do, I'll, I'll put you on the other side. What you can't do is go, man, Jesus teaches a lot of great things, but then never really want to experience him by his spirit. That wouldn't make any sense to experience the power of Jesus in your life. It wouldn't make sense to go, I like what he teaches, but then not actually apply what he teaches to experience it. Does that make sense? And so you can't separate the two things. And that's what Matthew is doing in this moment. And so what we've been doing over the past, I think this is week eight of the series, it's part eight. And I thought about reviewing every part to you. Uh, 
you're laughing because many of you know me, and if you're not laughing, you don't, okay? And so uh, that if I was to, to review all seven parts up to now, uh, we would, it would be a Jesus sermon. We would be here all day, and then we'd have to divide bread and fish and feed everybody, all right? And so uh, we can't, we don't have time uh, for that, all right? So here's what I'm simply going to tell you is that what we've, what we've gotten over the past seven weeks is just simply uh, the, the proclamation of the gospel uh, of the kingdom, the kingdom of God, the good news that there is a kingdom that is here, and with that kingdom comes a king that rules, and with that kingdom comes life that we're invited into. This is, this is uh, extremely important for you and I. This changes everything. The kingdom of God. When the kingdom of God shows up, it changes everything, all right? And so uh, this morning, we're going to read from Matthew chapter 6, uh, verses 1 through 18. It says this, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray... You must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand uh, and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words." Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that they are fasting, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your, your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who is in secret will, will reward you. 18 verses of Jesus speaking in the Sermon on the Mount. It's beautiful, isn't it? Let's, uh, some of y'all are like, no, he used a lot of words I don't like. So let's pray, all right? God, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And, and God, I just ask that in this moment, Lord, that you might... Um, just open wide our hearts to you so that we might uh, not only be hearers of your word but become doers. God, that we might be impacted in a very deep uh, and spiritual way by your word this morning, God. That what we are experiencing in here would not be just uh, re religious uh, ritual, God, but it would be a, a, a real time with you spent, God, to be closer to you. God, we love you and Lord, we trust you with our hearts, 
Come on, church. We trust you, God, with our hearts. We trust you with our lives this morning, God. And God, so we ask you in this moment, Lord, to, to change us. Lord, to, to, to move us. Lord, to transform us. To mold us and make us into what you'd have us be, Lord. We, you're trustworthy. And so we trust you with it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so a fun section of uh, Scripture, fun section of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Uh, he is talking about and warning us against living fake lives. That's what he's doing. He's going to say, I don't want you to live a fake life inside of the kingdom. And so if the last two weeks of this series have, has been about Jesus expressing his desire for us to be truly free inwardly, Okay, you remember the last couple of weeks we've been together. It, it's been talking about all of those uh, uh, elements in our lives, anger and lust and, and all of that. Like, how many of y'all enjoyed the anger one last time we were together uh, in this series? Uh, some of y'all are still angry about it, and, uh, and I understand, and you're working through it, and it's all right. Uh, me too, okay? Because uh, at one point, Pastor Paul was uh, in plain view for that message, and I sat there, and at one point he said, raise your hand if you're angry, and I was like, I don't want to, right? And so, uh, and, and, and so but what, what Jesus has done uh, over the past few uh, times that we've been together and, and, and as we examine the Sermon on the Mount, it is Jesus, listen, expressing his desire for us to be truly free because this is why he says, the old law says, don't murder. Just don't kill anybody and you're okay. But Jesus says, even if you have hatred or anger in you towards someone, it's coming from the same place as murder. So you're not free. Does that make sense? So whereas the old law says, hey, as long as you didn't kill anybody, you're good. Jesus says, no, you're not. You're not really free. And to be in my kingdom, you deserve freedom. Because my, my citizens are free, even inwardly. Not just with the outward actions, but your heart is free, right? And so, you know, they, they say, well, when it comes to your lust, just don't enact the will and, uh, you know, and commit adultery. As long as you don't cheat on your spouse with somebody else's spouse, you're good. But Jesus says you're not free, though. You're not free on the inside. Because I say even if you look at somebody with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart already. It's already broken on the inside, right? And whereas we can go, well, that's a pretty strong, harsh word. It's really not. It's, it's called freedom, right? It's, it's, it's called the surgeon going in and, and cutting some things away. And it'll, it'll hurt a little bit, but in the end, it's going to make you better. In the end, it's going to fix what's broken, right? Does it make sense? And so it's, it, it's Jesus kind of setting the bone, if you will, that's broken, right? And that can be painful, but it, it, it's for the best, it's the, for, the, for our good, right? It's for the best thing for us, and that's to set things right, right? And so that's what he's done. So if the, if the last two weeks have been about that, uh, has been about Jesus expressing his desire for us to be truly free inwardly, then the next two weeks, this week and next week, are all about Jesus expressing his desire for each one of us to live an authentic life in this kingdom. That's what he's doing. And so what he's going to do in this moment is he's going to warn all of us. And he's going to use, I, I love it because he uses three spiritual disciplines or, or strategies of his day uh, in, in what it looked like to walk out in God. And they sound a lot like what we do today, right? He uses giving, praying, fasting. Maybe the last one we don't do that much. Uh, I certainly don't, all right? And so, uh, but giving, 
praying, and fasting. He uses these three kind of disciplines to kind of make a point about this, is that we can be involved in the good things because none of these things are evil, right? They're, they're not. Giving is good. Praying is good. Fasting is good, despite popular belief. It's good. It's good for us. All of these things are good. So these are not intrinsically evil things. He's using spiritual disciplines that are good, that should be vibrant, that should be alive in each one of our lives. So what Jesus gets after is the intentions by which we do these things, right? He's gonna get to, so he's gonna make two distinctions. He's gonna say, you're either doing those things to be seen and rewarded by men, or you're, you're doing those things to be seen and rewarded by God. Those are the distinctions. The, that's the distinction between the intention of our hearts when it comes to the spiritual activities of our lives, the, the acts of righteousness, the acts of goodness that we've been talking about. As these things begin to flow out of us, okay? Uh, y'all with me? All right, because so, that's where we've been. His righteousness, his goodness flowing out of us, uh, being an overflow of what he's done inside of us. As those things begin to flow out, you have to check the intentions by which those things are coming out. And that's what he's saying in this moment. And because and I, I think it's important for me to just clarify, uh, because he says it in verse one, if you look at it, beware of practicing your righteousness, okay, before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will not have reward from your Father in heaven. What he does not say in this moment is, people should not see your righteousness. That's not what he said. Let's all look at it. Because that's not what he's saying. Because I know you say, well, no, he says, beware of practicing your righteousness before, uh, before other people. So we shouldn't let them see our stuff. But, uh, but it goes on to say, in order to be seen by them. So the intention shows where we're at. And so he's not saying people shouldn't see our righteousness or goodness flowing out of our lives uh, because that's really simple because we've already talked about that. He's already covered that idea in chapter five uh, for the beginning of uh, the Sermon on the Mount. You are salt, you are light. City set on a hill can't be hidden, right? And that you should live such good lives among non-believers, among this world, among pagans is what Jesus says, uh, among those who don't believe. Live such good lives that they see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So he's not saying here, he's not contradicting himself and going, hey, remember when I told you you should be seen by people? Don't do that. I was just kidding. Right? He doesn't do that. He's, like, he's not trying to trick us here. So what he's saying is, is that, okay, listen, we're meant to, our good deeds are meant to be seen by other people so that they can see God working in us and, and glorify our Father, that their hearts be pushed towards the Father. But here he says, your intention is going to matter on what they're going to see. Are they seeing you or are they seeing God? Are they seeing you or are they seeing Jesus worked out in you? Who's it pointing to? And that's what he's going to say is the, is the essence of it. And I think we struggle with that a lot because we go, well, when, when we just gave a moment ago, everybody saw me give. So did I just mess up? Yeah, we just tricked you as a church when we've been tricking you for years, right? And now we're going to set it right. No, uh, no, continue to, to bring your offerings. That's, there's a precedent actually in the Bible where we should waive it, all right? But anyways, uh, that's weird, but, and we're not going to do that. But I'm just saying you can bring it up. Uh, we still bring it up. Chad, we, we've prayed out loud. Like just a moment ago, you prayed out loud. Sinner. Can't believe you did that. No. 
That's not what it means, okay? That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, you beware of practicing these acts of righteousness, these acts of goodness, these things that are, are meant to be lived out in your culture, but living it with the intent for you to get glory and not God. For you to be seen and not God, right? Because I, I don't know about you, but like whenever I think about the way the world sees uh, like Christian hypocrisy, because Jesus uses that unnerving term, doesn't he? Like it's unnerving for every Christian in the room when he uses the word hypocrite, because how often do we get labeled that, right? If you've never been labeled a hypocrite, um, then you're like living under a rock somewhere or like nobody knows you're a believer because I've been called a hypocrite a lot. And some of you are like, well, maybe for good reason, maybe, but we'll see. Because the idea is that Jesus uses stark language. He uses this term uh, hypocrites uh, as stark language to get the listener's attention. He wants us to pay attention to this. Because in fact, if you look at it, historically speaking, uh, in the New Testament, Jesus is maybe, it's, it's really an exclusive term to Jesus. Because most of the other New Testament writers, when they talk about like this kind of teeter, teeter-totter back and forth in your life, they use what the Old Testament writers would use, and that's the word adulterous. They would use that term. But Jesus uses the term hypocrite, okay? Now, uh, in, classic, in classical Greek culture, uh, hypocrite would actually refer to actors. Actors on a stage, right? It, w- it would refer to actors and actresses on a stage performing and pretending to be a character, and so when we look at the world's view of, of Christian hypocrisy, how, how many of y'all know this? Like when the world looks at us and they label hypocrites, it always has to do with, well, you did bad things and you say you're not supposed to. Isn't that Christian hypocrisy to the world? I mean, mostly that's what they do is, oh, you say you're a Christian? Yeah, but I, you know, but you cut me off in, in traffic, you know, or whatever, you know, that's a dumb example, but, ser- but seriously, you know, uh, they'll use any, any form that they can use to go, you're a hypocrite, because you did something wrong, you're a hypocrite. Uh, but in reality, if we look at true Christian hypocrisy, like a uh, true Christian belief, I should say, uh, it's not hypocritical to do something wrong. Is it? Oh, see, now we're uncomfortable. Maybe I should sit down and play the teacher for a second. Okay, so let's just think about it. In 1 John, he says, if you say you don't have sin, you're a liar. If you say you've never sinned, you're deceiving yourself. So what's the reality in a Christian's life? We all struggle and deal with sin. So for me to do something wrong as a Christian doesn't make me a hypocrite because the the actual definition of being a hypocrite is somebody that does the opposite of what they believe. So I say that I believe that I struggle with sin because I can't say I don't have sin or I would be a liar, which would be a problem, right? And so what, what I'm saying is, is that as a believer, I go, no, I, I believe that I struggle with sin, but here's what I know is that it, I don't want to sin, but if I do sin, this is First John 2, he says, I have an advocate, the righteous one, Jesus, to stand in my place. And he becomes righteousness for me. That's what I believe, is I believe I have no righteousness of my own. So when somebody goes, well, you did something wrong, you hypocrite, I go, no, 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 no. I do something wrong because that's exactly what I believe I am, right? I'd mess up, right? I do mess up sometimes. We all mess up. But here's what my belief is, is that I have a righteousness not of my own. 
If it's based on me, I'm, all, I'm in trouble. If it's based on my righteousness, I'm not going to make it. That's my belief, is that you're right. I'm a mess, and I messed up there, right? But I have Jesus that stands in my place. And so uh, when, when Jesus seems to use the word hypocrite, he says, no, actual hypocrisy is simply pretending that you have a relationship with God and not actually having one. That's what hypocrisy looks like, is that when you act like you have a relationship with God, you pretend like you have a relationship with God. You, 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 you perform it. You're a poser. You perform the acts of a person that would have a relationship with God, but then you don't actually have one. That would be what it looks like to be a hypocrite. That's what it is, because that's what Jesus would say, is that he would go, no, these guys are those that do a lot of things that look spiritual, but the issue is, is that they have no intention towards God. They have no intention of pointing people to Jesus. They have every intention of pointing people to themselves. And so they pretend as if they have a relationship with God, but they don't actually have one. And so Jesus in other places, because he actually uses the term hypocrite like 17 times or something like that uh, in, in the scriptures. And so he probably used it way more than that. But in the, in the scriptures that we have that show us all, you know, the windows we have into Jesus' teaching, he uses it a lot. But then he'll say things like this. Their, their lips acknowledge me, but their hearts are far from me. So he says that there is a way for, for, for people to... It, it, to look godly, say things that are godly, do things that are godly, but not actually be godly. And how do you know what it is? It's the intention of your heart that tells on you, that shows you where you are. Do we all feel the tension <laughs> of the word hypocrite in the room right now? Because I can tell you whenever I'm studying this, I'm going, whoa, that's, that's tough. Because at the very least, I have areas of my life that I go, man, I don't know. Right? Do you? Because that would be his point. His point would be is like, wait a second, don't be like these guys. Because what these guys do is that they do things that look godly. They are satisfied. Listen, they are satisfied with simply pretending that they have a relationship with me. Their satisfaction is found in that. And it's crazy because an actual relationship with God is offered. And it's silly to choose the former over the latter. It, it's, it's silly. And so he uses these, these three things, and they're, and they're all good things. I, I, uh, we had some fun the other day in, in pastor's meeting about this sermon because we were talking about, um, you know, Pastor Paul said, well, you know, what are some of the modern-day uh, modern stuff? I mean, other than giving and praying and, and fasting, what are some other, other things that you think of uh, whenever you think of somebody uh, like this, you know, that just wants to be seen by others. I, the first thing I did was I started laughing, and then I just said, you know, no, it's the good social media picture of your, of your coffee cup and your Bible laying open on the table and your moleskin, moleskin, whatever the journal is called, uh, you know, sitting there. It's not open because there's probably not anything in there, uh, and it's sitting there, and you snap the picture, and then you send out, man, spending time with the Lord. But then as soon as you send that out, you close the Bible, you put it up, drink, drink the coffee, 
and look at Facebook. Thank you. <laughs> you, you know, you snap the picture and you're like, oh man, that's good. And then you totally forget, <laughs> right? And then you're just scrolling through watching videos of like monkeys dancing or something or, or somebody's, uh, you know, enchilada plate at Abuelos or whatever. And you're just like, wow, that's uh, outstanding. And then it's time to go and you've never actually read your Bible, but, but you post it. That's the way I equated it. I was like, no, it's, it's that, right? It's that moment. And see, and some of you are like, you're, you're, not, you're never going to take a picture of anything ever again. But I, uh, I follow each and every one of you. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. I don't. Uh, but I'm just saying, like, that's the first thing that popped in my head. I was like, we do that all the time. Like, even on usual things, we do that. Like, even just snapping a, a selfie nowadays, and all of us do it. All of us do it. We do. I mean, it might be with, like, you know, an old school Polaroid uh, camera or whatever, and it, and it shoots out the little deal, and, you, and then you look at No, uh, all, most of us do it, right? Most of us take that selfie, but I, what I love is watching people take selfies. This is one of my favorite things. I, I'm not much of a selfie taker either because I don't really want to see my face like that, uh, and, and nor does anyone else, right? Uh, but I, 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 I like watching people. Like if you're at the mall, just stand around and watch people take selfies because this is how it goes. Oh, I'm just randomly taking a picture at the Chick-fil-A in the mall. Click. No, man, that's not. I'm randomly taking a picture in Chick-fil-A at the mall. Click. I'm randomly taking a picture at Chick-fil-A and I'm all click, right? And it's like that. That's the equivalent. Is that they want it to be perfect. They want it to, to give off the right vibe. They want it to look a certain way. They want it to be presented in a certain way, right? Because we're all real careful about that in our own lives. And so what, what Jesus seems to do here is relates it to our spiritual walk with God. He says, why, why is it that we are satisfied with just pretending like we have a relationship with him when we don't actually have one? And he says, don't be like them. See, Jesus is going to say, man, their reward stops here on earth. This is where it ends. So he says, don't be like the hypocrites. Why? What, what's the reason? Just because that's bad? No, he says, listen, I'm trying to get you somewhere. Their reward stops here. It's not as if they don't get a pat on the back. It's not as if people aren't impressed. But what Jesus says is, those are short-lived rewards. They stay here. And I'm telling you, there's something more for you. And where is it found? It's found standing in front of an audience of one. So which audience are you going to choose? That's the question. That's the, that's, the, that's the proposition that Jesus is giving all of us. Is which audience are you going to choose? Are you going to choose to live out your life in such a way that you get a, you know, a pat on the back and an attaboy from the people on this earth? Because that's where it will end. But I'm telling you that, that, that you have a father, the, the God of the universe, that is waiting with rewards that will far outweigh the rewards of this world. They'll go beyond today. And so don't live like them. 
Because what I'm trying to do is I'm not, I'm not trying to make you feel uh, bad or condemn you. I'm trying to set you free. I'm trying to let you walk into the rewards that your father has. But what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to choose an audience of one. That, that what matters in this moment is Jesus and, and God the father. Because he keeps saying over and over and over again, your father who sees in secret will reward in secret. And then you kind of get the idea of where he's going because then he goes into this idea in verse 19, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. So he says, you're going to get a reward from men, but don't, don't be seen by them to get a reward from men because you're going to lay up treasures on this earth, and that's where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in. For where your treasure is, there where your heart be also. He says, don't, don't make your life about storing up treasures here because they're short-lived and temporary at best. They can't, they can't breach eternity. They can't do it. And, it. and so it's too small a thing to live for uh, the pats on the back from, from men and the accolades from men. Don't live that way. Because it, it almost gives off the idea that he, what he's saying is it'll feel good for a while. When people think that you have a strong relationship with God, that'll feel good to you. And, it, and it's almost seductive. It's almost a, because then I, I don't, well, I don't have to put in all the work. I could just act like and pretend. But here's the thing. Have you ever noticed that you trying to be something that you're not takes way more work than just being? Isn't that true? It is. It takes a lot more work to pretend like we're something. It takes a lot more work that way. And God says, I, you know, Jesus communicates, I want you to be free from that. Don't be like them. It's too much work. And it's work for something that won't even last. Don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Don't fall victim to what, this is, what, what that looks like. And so, uh, so what's the strategy then? Okay, well then live every day to and before an audience of one, God. The o- Listen, the only two people that matter in your relationship with God is you and God. That's it. That's the only people that matter. And you can say, well, I have a lot of people that matter in my life. I, I get that. But nobody matters more than him. Period. I like that, that one moment where uh, Jesus is teaching some disciples and his mom and uh, his brother show up, and somebody walks in and says, hey, Jesus, your, your mom and your brother are here. And he's like, who's my mom? Right? I'm sure the guy delivering the message is like, the lady outside. Like, I, <clears throat> what do you mean? Like, I don't, I don't understand. Who's my brothers? The dude standing outside. Like, they're your brothers. Like, I don't, I don't understand the question. Cause then he, but then he goes, no, it's only those that, men do the will of my father that, are, that men are, are, are engaged in what's happening here. These, this is my mother. This is my brother. What is he saying? The only person that matters in this moment is God. He's the one that matters. I love it because Jesus even says it over and over and over again. Even as a young kid, he says, don't you know I've got to be about my father's business? The only person that matters is God, period. Nobody else matters. You go, that sounds harsh, but it's not. It's the best thing for everybody else around you. 
Because even Jesus says that, and I don't know about you, if you're a parent, if your kid looked at you and said, hey, I ran off because I have to be about my father's business, you'd be like, get in the house right now, right? But Jesus, Jesus seems to be that way constantly. Throughout. I'm only going to say what my father tells me to say. I'm only doing what I see the father do. That's what my life is about because the only thing that matters in your walk with God right now is you and God. That's it. And if you try to make it about other people, okay, and uh, uh, let me put it this way. So husbands, if you just try to follow God because you think that that will, uh, you know, make your wife love you more, then what are you doing in that moment? You're wanting to be seen by someone else. And God's going to say, that's a problem. Because then you're not actually living in such a way to be rewarded by God. You're just looking for a reward by somebody else. Right? So I live in such a way towards God because I want Pastor Curtis to notice me. Careful. Because that's not what this is about. Have you ever been in that moment in worship? I'll just be vulnerable. You know, you, you'd be in that moment of worship. I can say this because I've experienced it. You know, and you, you go, man, man, I'm just man, I'm ready to get into this thing. But in the back of your mind, you've got a voice going, and look awesome. <laughs> Anybody? And you're like, no, no, I don't want that. I just, man, I just want to lift my hands and worship God and look awesome. You know what I'm saying? Like that moment. And, and that's the moment that goes, okay, see, I'm still, I, I still have some issues with this. I still need to work this out in my heart because I don't want you to be my audience. Even now, you just have to put up with listening to me, but I'm ministering to him. I, I, I want to be this way for him. Does that make sense? That's the way we have to be, everyone, every one of us. And so it's, if at any point, good, bad, or indifferent, if we place ourselves in a, in a spot where we say, I, I'm going to follow God really hard here. I mean, I'm going to go after him for this person to, even if it's a good motivation like your husband or your wife or your pastor or your kids or your church or your, right? If that's the motivation, then we've got issues. Even if they're good motivations, he says, don't do it that way. You have an audience of one, and that's all you need because he's the only one that matters. Uh, my dad used to tell me this all the time as a kid. He used to tell me, uh, he actually still does because I'm still his kid. Uh, and so he tells me this all the time. He says, son, if you will just set your heart to please God, then you will please all the people that matter in your life. And the people that you displease won't matter. That's what he'll say to me all the time. Want me to say that again? His name is Gary Word, if you want to give him credit for it. He probably stole it from somebody else who stole it from somebody else who stole it from somebody else who stole it from Jesus. Okay, so uh, if, you, if you set your heart to please God, then you will please every person that matters in your life. You'll please all the right people, son. Right? And all the people you displease won't matter. They won't and they don't matter. Because if I can please God, if I can put position my life, is this talking to anybody this morning? If I can position my heart 
in my life, in my relationship with God, in my relationship with Jesus, if I can position it in such a way that I live every day before an audience of one person and it's him, if I can live it in that way, then everyone else around me benefits and everyone around me uh, that matters to my life, uh, uh, man, I please them. I do the right thing but it's setting my heart right with the right intentions, the right direction, the right focus on the right person. Because this is what Jesus is getting at, that to please God because all that matters and all that, that, uh, all, all that true reward lies in him. All that treasure, all that reward that we want, it, 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 it's where eternal treasures lies in him. It's focused in on who he is and living our lives out in front of him because he's the one that's going to matter in the end. Amen? Uh, let me just close this way. There's nothing more tragic to me uh, than for somebody to pretend and be satisfied with pretending that they have a relationship with God when they don't actually have one. When one is actually offered to you. It's, it's actually, it's crazy to think that the God of the universe is here this morning offering a real relationship with you and I, and yet for so many of us maybe in this room, we are satisfied with just simply pretending that we have one. And Jesus is gonna say, don't be like that. Come have a real relationship with me. What's sadder still is for people to actually get a glimpse and see the greatness of what it is to be in God's kingdom and yet only visit and admire and never take possession of the citizenship that is offered freely to you. You see how sad that is? Actually seeing all the great things that the kingdom of God offers to you and I all the life that's there and for us to only be vacationers to visit and admire but then never actually grasping the citizenship taking hold and possessing the citizenship that is offered to you right now because that's the reality that we're all sitting in is that a kingdom has shown up and it's not a kingdom that we can just that we just can only visit and admire the greatness of it but that a god came down and he gave himself through the person and work of Jesus for you and I listen not just to be fellow citizens of this kingdom but to become sons and daughters of his household and yet for so many of us because of whatever i mean we can blame our western culture of christianity or or whatever we, we choose to just act like we are. And so, so I think the challenge ends up being is that for so many of us, maybe in this room, that's the reason why we live so frustrated in our walk with God. Because we, we go, I don't understand why that person seems to be experiencing something that I'm not. It's so vibrant and so real, but then in our minds, all we do is we begin to just act like that person instead of actually going, God, I wanna experience this thing for real. And so then we just tend to, to mimic what, what happens. And listen, 
the, the idea is for if you feel condemnation at all in here when I say a, something like that, that all you're doing is mimicking the things of God. If you feel condemnation, then please hear my heart on this. Can you just find a, a, an ounce of, uh, of some conviction there that will move you towards him? And not allow any sort of bad condemnation or, or, or bad feeling push you out of this room for you to go out of here and continue just to pose. And continue just to mimic what you see. Can I just plead with you this morning, find some ounce of conviction that will move you towards a very real God who, who in, in a very real way wants to, in a very real way, impact your life and do something authentic and real in you? Can we do that this morning? Because that's what's offered in this moment is a real experience with a real God who wants to, to, to man, break into your life in a very real way. He wants to impact you. He wants to change things about you. He wants to make you his kid, right? He wants to make you a son. He wants to make you a daughter. He wants to make you a citizen of his kingdom. And, and listen, I love the way Pastor Paul put it. Pastor Paul said this, to become a disciple of Jesus, you have to believe in him, right? You do. Uh, to enter his kingdom, you have to believe in him. That's what you have to do. But listen, this is what Pastor Paul said the other day, and I, th I think it's, it's beautiful. But to be at home with him, you, you have to share his beliefs. And that's, see, that's different to feel at home in his kingdom. And I think for so many of us, we don't feel at home there. And we need to. We need to feel at home in his, in his kingdom. We need to feel like citizens, feel like sons and dollars. Well, what does that take? It takes believing what Jesus believes. And what Jesus says is, don't live it, don't live it for them, live it for him. Live in such a way that he's my only audience, he's the only one that matters. And if I live that way, the father who sees in secret will reward in secret. That's what he does. That's what he's about. And so listen, it's offered to you and I right here, right now. A real relationship with, with Jesus, a real vibrant one. And listen, maybe you used to have one. And maybe that haunts you all the time when you come in here. Because you remember what it felt like to be a young man, a young woman maybe. Or maybe it was last week and you wonder where it went. Listen, reconnect then this morning. That can be you. Maybe you're just religiously frustrated because you're living this life and you're just trying to live it in such a way where you'll feel something and so you mimic the things that are going on just to see if you can't experience something. And God says, no, you're trying too hard. <laughs> Stop trying so hard. Just come to me and let me touch you. Just come to me and let me do something. Let me move in you. Let me make it real to you. And God can do that this morning. That's where we're at. So, so here's the call, church. Here's the call. A real relationship with God is possible. A real vibrant, dynamic relationship with the God of the universe is offered to every single one of us. And maybe you're experiencing that in a very big way. Well, man, praise God for that, right? And man, you, then you can lift your hands and worship uh, and, and man, and love on God this morning for his word. But if, if you feel frustrated in your walk with, with God, uh, and, and maybe you don't even know where that's coming from. Here's what I'm going to ask of you. Then come, let somebody join with you. Connect with at least somebody around you to say, that's me. 
I'm, I'm frustrated and I, I just, I don't feel like I'm connected like that. And I don't wanna just be going through the motions. I don't wanna just be the, the, the guy that wants to just pretend so that nobody will ask me what's going on in my life. And so I just pretend like everything's good. And I just pretend like I've I'm, I'm got a strong relationship with God. I don't wanna be that anymore. If that's you this morning, then you, man, come and get prayer this morning. Ask somebody to join with you. And let's just see what God will do. Because here's what I know is that God will meet you here, right? God will meet you here, okay? So after I pray, man, we're, you guys can be uh, dismissed, uh, but if you need prayer this morning, please don't hesitate. Come up and get prayer this morning, amen? God, we thank you, Lord, for your word, and we thank you, Lord, that you're here. And God, we thank you that, um, Lord, we don't, we don't have to be those that... Um, that, Lord, are just satisfied with, with pretending or pro- posing as if we have a good relationship with you. We can actually have one. And so, God, for any of those in this room right now that, that maybe are struggling with that or maybe are just frustrated with their walk with you and they're, they're wanting to figure out what's happening there, God, I just pray in this moment, Lord, that you would give them courage. God, and that you would draw them near by your spirit, Lord, where they would come and they would join with somebody to get prayer this morning. God, that we not walk out the same way we walked in, but Lord, we'll allow your word to sit on us in a deep and rich way and change us. God, we love you and we trust you with it in Jesus' name.